0: Pull out your note outlines. We continue uh, this morning on uh, this uh, sermon series we began, uh, what was it, last week, on altars. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, the altar, um, Abraham's altars. It was a number of altars that Abraham built. And 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 my, my premise this morning is on his journey of faith, Abraham would periodically, regularly, routinely build these altars. And so what it became representative of is uh, is this one-to-one vital connection that he wanted to maintain with the Lord. And I guess what I'm recommending is that we view these things, we view these altars of Abraham that we're going to take a peek at this morning, as ways that you and I can have regular altar times with God. God. Just like Abraham on his journey would periodically have these altar times, you and I need to do that as well on a regular basis. Now, some people refer to this as a quiet time, a devotional time. This is not new to us. But once again, what we can see as we begin walking through this is the, the, the vital connection he makes with the Lord and the importance, the priority of you and I having regular times one-on-one with the Lord. you with me? All right, so I want you to to take a peek at the note outline, the importance of altar times with God. What I'm going to do, I'm going to make some observations regarding each of the altars he builds. Watch, this is number one. The first altar that he builds, Genesis 12, 7, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he, antecedent of the pronoun, he would be Abraham, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, once again, notice that the first altar he builds is in the the context of a promise, it's in the context of God speaking his word to Abraham. One of the values of having my devotions is that this is the way that I can claim God's promises. This is the way that God can speak to me. Notice it says twice in this verse that the Lord appeared to Abraham. Now, I'm not saying that when you have your devotions that God's going to materialize before your eyes and appear to you. What I am saying is that when you have regular times with God, you will be able to see God in a, in a more real way. Abraham did. And so this is the first value when you spend altar times with God. It's associated with God's Word and God's promises. Secondly, Genesis 12, 8. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Now, if you're paying close attention, that's the very next verse. I had just previously read to you Genesis 12, 7. This is Genesis 12, 8. Back-to-back verses, Abraham builds an altar. Two different altars. Why does he do that? Why bother Dude, you just build an altar, last verse. What's the point? If you look at it carefully, Genesis 12.8, it says, you see something different on this one. There he built, Genesis 12.8, an altar to the Lord at Bethel and Ai, and called on the name of the Lord. This is the first time in the biblical record that we see Abraham initiating the relationship with God. Let me say it again. The first time we see Abraham initiating his relationship with God. Previously, God spoke to Abraham. Now it says, he, Abraham, now it's, we're going in reverse. Abraham is speaking to God. And so what is happening is that he is getting to know this God better. And so point number two, these when we have altar times with God, it enables us to know God better, and to call out to him. So one of the values of my quiet time, and when Judy has her quiet time in the the mornings, is that A, I claim the promises of God, and it has to do with God's word, and B, it gives me opportunity regularly, routinely, to call out to him. We see it here in the story of Abraham. Abraham. Shortly after that, there is a famine. There's a famine in the land, and Abraham heads to Egypt. Some of you will remember when that happens. Now, there is no indication in the Bible that God led him to Egypt. There is no indication that God wanted him to go to Egypt. Abraham just goes to Egypt. And the truth of the matter is, this became a bad experience for him. Do you remember what happens in Egypt? He gets in hot water, he starts engaging with this king, and he starts sweating, thinking that he's going to get killed. So he goes, and then he's got a good looking wife, and so he goes, Well, this is my sister. Remember? Twice he lies when the king of Gerar and another king find out, What are you doing? Why'd you tell me that? Because when the, when the king tries to take Sarah into his harem, boils break out. It becomes a mess. And so the king calls him in and says, What do what, what are you doing? What are you lying to me for? And so he boots him out of the country. And so Abraham leaves Egypt thinking, this, this didn't go well. This was awful. Now watch what happens. Genesis 13:3. From the Negev, he went from place to place. He's kind of wandering here. Until he came to where? Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. This is the third altar in Abraham's life. Interestingly enough, it wasn't a new altar, he was revisiting a previous altar. You see, when you establish a designated place to meet with God, you can return there to reorient your spiritual compass. Let me say that again. He had established the altar at Bethel. Now he's returning back to that altar to kind of regain perspective after blowing it in Egypt. This is what I'd recommend, number three. You see, altar times also enable us to find mercy. Abraham, what are you doing? It enabled him to find forgiveness and to push the restart button. That's why I have value in meeting with the Lord regularly. To claim his promises, to be in, spend time in his word, to call out to him in prayer, but also to realize, you know what? A lot of times in my life I screw up. I need, to, I need a fresh start. I need to find mercy and grace and forgiveness. Well, there's there's a designated place that I can meet with him where I can do that. That was his third altar. The next part of the story, Abraham and Lot, his nephew, remember Abraham has his family and herds and Lot has his family and herds, and they end up getting into a big brouhaha over water told you before, the next war in the, in the Middle East will be fought over water. Jordan River can only provide so much water. And you got the kingdom of Jordan on the east and Israel on the west, you watch. The next war will be over water. Well, it's been since antiquity. You're talking, this is desert. And so water uh, uh, is, is extremely important. So what happens, they get into this big argument, and finally Abraham says to Lot, look, dude, we're, we're going to have to split up. This isn't working. So I'll tell you what, you pick which way you're going to go. Okay? If you say north, I'll go south. If you say west, I'll go east. You, I'll give you the first choice. You choose. Well, so what's Lot do? Lot looks over here, and he looks over there, and goes, man, this is the better way to go. This is the lush farmland. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go this way. All right, fine. Then I'll go this way. It shows you the kind of person that Abraham was. Genesis 13, 14. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you, Abraham. So Abraham moved his tents, went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. What is going on? Why did he build this altar in Hebron? Watch, this is number three. There was fallout in relationship. And by the way... Any close relationship will go through this. There will be fallout. There is going to be brokenness. There is going to be forgiveness. I was wrong. Sorry, I blew it. Would you forgive me? That's what's happening here. Isn't it interesting the place that he regained perspective on this broken relationship with Lot was at this altar. Interesting. Once again, the way that I can regain perspective on broken relationships is when I meet with the Lord in my quiet time. That's kind of how it works. And so what we can see here is that these different altars that Abraham built, there is high value in him doing that. Now, having said that, I'm going to give you just a few insights concerning these altar times that Abraham had with the Lord. Look at the second part of your note outline. Here we go. Number one, a number of things I can just make observations. The first is this. Isn't it interesting? He did this regularly. It was a part of his life. This wasn't just an occurrence that happened periodically he recognized the need to touch base and, re- and do this reconnection with the Lord. The longer I grow as a believer, the more I recognize how vital it is for me to have regular connection. I'm not saying that if you miss your devotions that you should feel guilty. But I am saying that if the only place that you're, that you're meeting with God is in this room with people on Sunday morning... You're not going to be growing as a Christian the way you should. All of us need to have this regular routine of having altar times with the Lord, and we see the example with Abraham. Number two, second insight. Are you aware of the fact that when he was sojourning, when he was journeying throughout the Holy Land, throughout Israel during this time, God had promised him this ground... It wasn't his. They, Israel would not take possession of Canaan until Joshua. This isn't even Moses yet. This is Abraham, Jack. So all of this time that he was building these altars and maintaining this relationship with God, he was doing that in the midst of enemies. And so one of, the, one of the, 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 the observations that the Lord has kind of laid in my heart is, do you recognize that you are living out your Christian life in the midst of enemy, Satan? The only way that you're going to be able to maintain vital connection with the Lord is having these regular altar times because you're going to be surrounded by enemies and for me, this was a huge help because I tell you what—you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, beloved. Ephesians six. This is you. You—we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so, unless I continue to have regular, routine altar times with the Lord, how are you going to survive in enemy territory? And I think that's one of the ways that uh, Abraham did. Abraham's story is not a completely happy one. As we can see, Abraham blew it. He had flaws. He had faults. He had liabilities. He had generational sin that he passed on to his sons and grandsons. He was a liar. Isaac became a liar. And then who was the son of Isaac? Jacob, classic deceiver. Where'd they learn that? It's a generational sin. By the way, you're passing on generational sin. Not just original sin, generational sin. Do you know what the generational sin of your family is? Have you ever thought about it? Some families, well, you know what, we just have a short temper. Some families have a history of immorality. Some families have a propensity towards alcoholism. I don't know how all this works, but there is something called generational sin, and you're passing it on as well. It may be... Worth your time thinking through that a little bit? What am I passing on to my kids and grandkids? A flaw in our family. See? Now, what's interesting is the, t- the two times in the biblical record where Abraham goes to Egypt, the two times that he does not build altars, watch this, it didn't go well. Did you hear what I said? Highlights of his life. The two main times in his life when he did not build an altar, things went kaflui. And which led me to conclude, number three, when you don't spend consistent time with the Lord when you are not maintaining that quiet time, that devotional time, the time of recognizing God's promises and and his presence and calling out to him and and working through broken relationships and trying to regain perspective after you've blown, when you don't do that, like Abraham in Egypt, this is what's going to happen. You become more vulnerable to temptation. You become more vulnerable to enemy attack, and that's exactly what happened. Interesting observation. The times that you see Abraham blows it in his life, he never built an altar. Just saying, see. I need to remember that as well. Now, lastly, I'd like to look at the next screen, please. This is a map, and I know you'd be disappointed if I didn't show you a map at some point in my messages. This is a map of Israel. We've seen all this before. You've got Sea of Galilee. What is this right here? Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea. Okay, now what's going to happen? He built an altar here. He built an altar in Hebron. Remember, he goes down to Egypt, comes back, revisits Bethel. What would be this? Sacrifice of Isaac. We'll talk about that in another week. Classic altar of sacrificing Isaac. Now, as you look at that, do you notice anything interesting About those four occasions, or actually three locations, but four occasions. Do you notice anything interesting about just geographically about that? It's in a straight line. Do you know why? Next screen. This is called the way of the patriarchs. Since antiquity, this is one of the main routes north and south. It's the basically the only route north and south through the central part of the country. Over here, it's called the King's Highway. This would be the spice route, the Silk Road. Over here is the intercoastal highway. He had to stay away from this area because at that time of history, Egypt controlled the intercoastal highway. So the only way... That Abraham would take his family and his flocks north and south through the land, he would always do it on this, it's called the ridge route, or the way of the patriarchs. It's called the ridge route because it's built on a ridge. Once again, these people aren't idiots. If you're going to build a road, you build it along a ridge. I mean, who wants to walk down the valley, up the mountain, down the, I mean, they, they you know, they realize, gee, we might be living in antiquity, but we're not idiots, So you build a highway along the spine of the mountains. Incidentally, it's there to this day. It's now Interstate 14. When in a few weeks, when I take the group from Israel, we're going to be standing at Jaffa Gate at Herod's Palace. And you remember what happened at Herod's Palace? There was a caravan that came in. They said, by the way, we're we're from... uh, Uh, way, way, way east. We're looking for the one who's king of the Jews. Where is he? Where is he born? What's Herod say? Well, he asks his advisors, and they say, Bethlehem. So you know what happens? What they do is they walk, they go out of Jaffa Gate at Jerusalem, head south seven miles, right here is Bethlehem, on the ridge route. As you're standing at Jaffa Gate, which we'll be doing in a few weeks. I'm going to point out Jaffa Gate. I'm going to say, do you see the interstate? This is the route the wise men, the magi took to Bethlehem. It, notice it goes north and south. Right there is a place called Samaria. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus met the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, how did he get there? Answer, the way of the patriarchs. Since antiquity, God's people traveled this interior interior highway. When Abraham did that, he built altars and left them there. The Bible says he went back and revisited those locations. Why would I say that? Because, by the way, every single patriarch that followed after him would follow that same route with their herds. And as they would walk this route, what would they see along the route? Altars. The altar of grandpa. The altar of dad. And it would bring the remembrance this is where God met with grandpa Abraham. This is where God gave his promise to grandpa. This is where God. Isn't it interesting? As they would go up and down the, the way of the patriarchs, they would pass these altars and be reminded. Got an interesting. Verse, I don't know if it's printed there for you, Genesis 35, 6 and 7. Listen to what it says Jacob and all the people with him came to Bethel in the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar. And he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to Jacob when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Jacob flees from Esau. And he goes up this route on the way to Laban's house. Comes back after being over with Laban. Comes back down that way every time he passes these altars. And what does Jacob do? Builds an altar in the same place. What's my point? See, this is the kind of stuff you learn from geography. This is my point. Next screen. When you establish altar times with God you have little idea of the spiritual impact it's going to have on your kids and grandkids. See, when you, when you take the time to quote-unquote build an altar, establish altar times with God, you have no idea how this is going to... Jacob ends up building an altar in the same place that Grandpa did. Why? Good enough for Grandpa, good enough for me. I'm just telling you, if you've got a prodigal If you've got family members, you keep meeting with God and having those established altar times with them, God will honor that. And don't think that your family members don't take notice of what you have done, how you have prayed, how you've been an example to them. You do that as Abraham did, and God will say, you know what, I will keep my promise. And I will bring blessing to you and to your descendants. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you use this example of this mighty man of of God. Flawed vessel, certainly had weaknesses, but God of all people in the Bible, this guy, this guy was the first who believed you and your promise. I thank you, Lord, for his example of deliberately spending altar times with you To claim your promises. To learn to get to know you. To call out to your name. To regain perspective after failure. And to heal broken relationships. May we be consistent, Lord. May we continue to make it happen. So that we too can grow. And Lord, that it might be an evidence. To the generations that follow. Mom and dad love the Lord. Grandma and grandpa love the Lord. That one day, they too may build an altar in the same place. We trust you for our family. We trust you, Lord, for our own spiritual growth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand. I guess I'm praying. Let me give God's blessing upon you, beloved, and we'll be dismissed. May the Lord himself reveal himself to you through his word and through his spirit as you establish those times with him once again. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful Sunday.